ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 27 of On the Time Lash. Uh, I'm Ben Verf. I'm Mark Donaldson, uh, and this is our podcast pub crawl through Doctor Who, new and old. Yes, see, you have as much difficulty saying that <laughs> as of, I do. It's a lot of pa-pa-pa, you know, <laughs> yeah, so podcast pub crawl. <laughs> so listeners, we, 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 we try to find a way of sum up, summing up what we, what we do. Uh, obviously, if you listened to before, you know what we do. If you haven't, what we what we do is we look at a new episode, episode of New Who, and then we look at a classic episode or classic serial that it suggests. And I came up with the phrase "podcast pub crawl." through Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but it is a very difficult phrase, and in all <laughs> previous episodes that I've tried to deploy it, what you hear in the edit is usually the third or fourth yeah. time of me attempting it, uh, with all the others edited out, but Mark, you decided to do it for this episode, yeah. and I could hear <laughs> you had as much it's trepidation. Quite, it's, it's quite a clunky phrase, uh-huh. Pod- it's not, it, but it's the, it's the P's, it's the podcast pub crawl, yeah. and then, you know, once you've got that out of the way, you've got Doctor Who new... Who knew? Yeah. I know it's, it's, See, they will, it's an unwieldy sentence. Tell you what, this is, we'll retire this thing, <laughs> and for episode 28, we'll come up with a better, more succinct. Oh, don't have me on for the episode <laughs> where you retire that! Come on! No! And, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as well as retiring podcast pub crawl <laughs> through Doctor Who, new and old, old and new, uh, we also have a special guest with us. Uh, welcome, Des O'Gorman. Uh, let, let me introduce you first, ladies and gentlemen. Well, firstly, uh, you were the event compare for the recent Edinburgh Comic Con convention. I, I was. Uh, and also, the best way to describe you, I think, is that you do for Ghostbusters what Toby Haydock does for Doctor Who. I, I would take that as a huge That's compliment. Thank crazy you. Because you're currently you're, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll give you all the details at the end of the show, Twitter, Facebook, things like that. But you're currently in the middle of uh, the life of a, of a tribute stand-up show yes. to the Ghostbusters franchise yes. called Still Ready to Believe You. Yes. yes. Uh, and I've seen it. Uh, I saw it in you one did. of its very first permutations at the Edinburgh Festival yes. last year. It was. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed I, it. I remember there was tears. Uh, you, you threw panties on the stage, which was very <laughs> awkward because they didn't belong to you. Wow. Well, anything to get out. <laughs> <laughs> So no, it was an excellent show, and the good thing is, is it's not, it isn't just going to, it's you're going to be touring up because there's a lot of great opportunities Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that have kind of sprung up as a result of doing this Ghostbusters show for you. Yes, yeah. Um, And I presume you don't mean guessing around the time lash is one of those great opportunities. No, (laughs) I I, I would. This is an honour. Are you kidding me? No, didn't you? Didn't you? Like you've, you've, because you, as a kind of build up to the show, you put up a YouTube video of you as like a kind of uh, an Edinburgh Ghostbuster uh, franchise member who's yeah, given it, like an instructory video it, on the use of equipment. It, it was, it was a, a, a fr- an Australian um, friend of mine, uh, uh, Rob Lloyd, who did a show, um, Who Me. Oh, he's a Doctor Who. He's about Doctor Who. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I met him during the uh, the Edinburgh Fringe last year and... we good? Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was just... Yep. <laughs> Technical difficulties, folks. It's okay. Uh, so I met Rob Lloyd uh, during the Fringe last year, and he was doing his uh, one-man uh, Doctor Who show, which went down a storm. I saw it three times. It was an amazing show. And we stayed in touch on Facebook and Twitter, and he was looking to do his own um, uh, Ghostbusters anniversary tribute show as well. And he knew that I had full costume and proton pack and everything, <laughs> and he asked me to do something. Obviously, not fly to Australia to take part in it, but he wanted a video, <laughs> a video of some. Oh, you do something <laughs> that I don't have to pay for. Yeah. Could you come here and take the tickets off the door? That'd be great. <laughs> 
And so he said, uh, whatever you want to do. And I remember, I, obviously I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan, and there's a lot of um, fan uh, films yeah. online. I didn't want to do something along those lines. And I remember thinking that there's no instruction video for because whenever you go to a new job they always put you in a room with a VCR <laughs> yeah. and they play like this this induction video from like 1982 yeah. even though half the equipment's no longer in the place of business yeah. and so I thought I want to do something along those lines and so I suggested to him and he just went yes go with that <laughs> and so so essentially it was like a, an instructional an orientation film yeah. uh, where it was a breakdown of all the uh, equipment the franchise I, I destroy a building and <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, if there's one thing that the Ghostbusters and the IRA have a, have in common is that we both destroy hotels. <laughs> Can you edit that out? No, 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 please. This is why people listen to on the time lash because they will hear things they have literally never heard. They will hear words and sentences that will never have heard put together before or since. <laughs> oh, because like the like Ghostbusters and the IRA, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, for that statement, sorry. Oh, if I it might even be the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> what do the Ghostbusters of the area have on common? <laughs> Listen and find out. Yeah, I hear in a private oh, yeah. <laughs> And so it's been up for uh, up on YouTube for nearly a year now, and it's gotten three and a half thousand views. I don't know how. As well as some, uh, some fairly noted uh, appreciators as well. Yes, yeah. Um, on Twitter alone, it was... It was retweeted by uh, Ernie Hudson and Robin Shelby, who played Slimer in Ghostbusters 2. And they both actually who played Slimer. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> she was essentially the arms of Slimer in ah, Ghostbusters right, 2. Right, yes. right, right, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, she wasn't just making the kind of <laughs> noises. No, I, I, I don't know who made it. I, I think it was the director, Ivan Reitman, but I may have to go back to my fountain of knowledge. Not a bloody expert on Ghostbusters then. Oh, Toby Hader could know. Damn you, Hader! So where can we find that video? Uh, well, if I do not the end of the episode, do it now. Where can we find the video? It where is. can we find out more about the show and yourself? Uh, well, for uh, the video, it's on uh, YouTube. So if you just uh, search uh, Ghostbusters orientation video or even my name, you will uh, find the video. Yep. Um, all information about uh, my future shows are going to be up on Twitter uh, my Twitter is um, at Desel Gorman and I also have um, a Facebook a personal Facebook page and a private actory thespian right. well, one page. of those ones that nobody ever sees exactly <laughs> okay. you try so hard to you know work away on that but then you think oh no I've accidentally put up a dick pic I'm going to take that page down now <laughs> oh no who accidentally goes through all the procedure of uploading a dick pic hello Right, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there's a reason to like that page. There you go. Uh, so yes, yeah, so welcome to on the time lash, uh, Thank you. and we start as we always do with the Fortnite and Doctor Who. Two weeks since the last episode, what mm -hmm. has happened to us in that ensuing time? Well, I. Let me. I think we should play. You know, I can't remember the name of the piece of music. Yeah. But, um, All right. Okay. So I recently decided, right, to... Uh, Sorry, was that, was that the, the tales of the unexpected? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know what you mean, it's so like they'll play it's it on like, like Radio 4. Yeah, like, is it our song, or is it... Something like, like that. It's, like, it's a segment where somebody will read out a story, a tragic love story, yeah. Oh, I, and it's like, so can you please play Copacabana yeah. by uh, Or can Barry you advise Mano? me? What, yeah. what can I... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
So I recently decided to um, to engage in, in online dating because I'm you know I'm almost thirty. I'm almost thirty, and uh, you know a lot of my friends are married or in long term relationships. Right. So I'm thinking, well, it's it's time you know to maybe meet new people and stuff like that, right? So I work with a couple of people that have also engaged in, in this community and they were giving me some advice. So we were working away, doing a profile, that was all fine. I said, but I don't know what, what picture to choose. And um, we said, well that photo of you and Peter Capaldi is quite a good photo of you. All you need to do is just crop out Capaldi <laughs> and then you'll have that as the thumbnail. As I've noticed on <laughs> Facebook, you've already cropped out me yeah. <laughs> from that picture. You dick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. God, imagine that. That was our experience, Mark. <laughs> it still is. It still is. <laughs> but it's not one I'm willing to share with anybody else. Ben. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Ladies, form a cue. So, put this photo up, and they're like, well, if you just crop Peter Capaldi out, it'll just be like a good photo of you, and then they'll click on that, and then okay, so I did that. But basically, the first message I received, almost half an hour after the, the profile went up, was, uh, Oh, where did you meet Peter Capaldi? Because obviously, you click on the profile, <laughs> the photo blows up. Yeah. The photo blows up to the full size, and it's, you know, Peter Capaldi. So the first message was, where did you meet Peter Capaldi? I was like, oh, all right, okay. This is this has worked already. This is good. So I typed a quick reply, because I was like, well, where the fuck do you think I met Peter Capaldi? <laughs> He's not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, it's a Doctor Who uh, convention. A thick of it, Mom. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, a local, local, <laughs> local hero convention. Yeah. So, that, that Christmas episode <laughs> of the Vicar of Dibley convention. That's where we met him. <laughs> so I wrote a quick reply, um, which went along the lines of, uh, I was at a Doctor Who convention slash charity fundraiser, because it was, slash charity fundraiser. I feel the need to highlight the fact it was a charity fundraiser to offset any nerdiness right, okay. uh, from, the, from the thing. Um, are you a fan of, of Peter Capaldi? Sent off the message. No response. Clicked on the profile. This user has removed their account. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bust. But then the other day... <laughs> the other day... Um, we should laugh. That <laughs> it was, it's really, that's really sad. <laughs> so the other day there was a, a post on Twitter. Although it's nice that we've got a window into what your <laughs> flirting is. <laughs> I'm a Capaldi and a charity so, event. Uh, do you like Peter Capaldi? <laughs> <laughs> do you? Is it the eyebrows? Is it, is it, is because it? I have opinions on him. <laughs> it may interest you to know that I've got a... Anyway, no, that's, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but so the... the a couple of days later, I noticed on Twitter, uh, one of these Doctor Who news sites yeah. mm. had posted a story about a Doctor Who fan dating website. <laughs> oh, there we are. They, so, they exist. Could you, could, you, could you give the address of this site for all the users whose ears have just pricked up? <laughs> well, allow me to explain. So, oh, I was like... Okay, Doctor Who fan, I've got to take a look at the very least. Yeah. Clicked on it. I don't know the exact web address. I believe it's called Whovian Companions. That put me off straight away. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want to be a companion? I just don't like, I just don't like the word Whovian. I just, no, I've never liked it. Um, yeah, it's quite strained and contrived. Yeah, it's just like, oh, let's give something a title. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I clicked the Trekkers have got <laughs> Trekkers. <laughs> what are we? Whovian are we? <laughs> You're just Doctor Who fans, just enjoy it. Um, so I clicked on it, 
Uh, and I was like, right, okay, let's just take a quick look and see what we've got here. <laughs> so I typed in, it's like, man seeking female Edinburgh, UK. <laughs> Clicked it. No uh, that, you made that sound so sinister. <laughs> <Is that> really? <laughs> it's like, no results. I said, like, okay, fair enough. I said, view, it was like, what I thought it said was view all, it was like other matches or something like that. So I clicked on it, it was like, there were just seven. And I, I assumed, I assumed. You were the eighth <laughs> member <laughs> no, of the website. You were the Paul McGann of first, this episode. I assumed that that was seven women for the whole of the UK. Yeah. What it actually was, was seven members of the website, of which three were women. Which is actually quite a good ratio. <laughs> that is actually a pretty good ratio, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, it's a work in progress. It's a work so in progress. Fucking hell. <laughs> sorry, Mark. Uh, sorry, sorry. Sorry that you didn't... So, I've got a funny story out of it. Keep, keep us posted, though. We'll yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I can turn this into a heartwarming fringe show about Doctor Who fan trying well, to... Well... I mean, it's been done, but I'm sure I can... What's, uh, what's, what's certainly come on apace with our website is that you've started the On The Time Lash book club. Of which you, I am the only member. Yeah, where you, where you go through all of the Virgin New Adventures yeah. books. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. <laughs> more, more on that in our next episode mm. when we deal with human nature and the family of blood. But Indeed. why not also create for the website little blog updates about uh, Mark's Doctor Who search for love. Okay. And, uh, right. <laughs> that, okay. I don't know. That's I was told earlier on today to set up a blog about just general online dating adventures. So I'll, I'll, I'll have a diversion. <laughs> you could be the Caddy Bradshaw. The Caddy Bradshaw of Doctor Who and dating. That's, you can... <laughs> Sex and the TARDIS. That's exactly. There it is. Sex in the city of death. Perfect. There we go. That's what it is. So look, look on the timelash.wordpress.com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and, you know, installment one will be up uh, very soon. Let's crack straight on then. Business as unusual. Uh, where are we in our new Who watch through? That's another phrase, ladies and gentlemen, who <laughs> listen often. Yeah, a new Who watch through. New Who watch through. Because I mean, because uh, I mean, uh, as we as we did joke at the beginning of this, uh, well, before the recording happened, you are one of the many guests, Des, that we have had on who has never listened to an episode of On The Timeline, so we feel we've got to explain okay. what happens. Uh, so what we do is that we have, since our first episode, we've been watching New Who mm -hmm. from its beginning, and we're doing that chronologically, and that's brought us to 42. That's where we are now, halfway through Series 3. Mm -hmm. um, and as we start normally, it's, uh, it's the stats. Uh, for 42. So, 42 by Chris Chibnall and directed by Graham Harper uh, was broadcast on 19th of May 2007, 7.15pm till 8pm and it was watched by 7.4 million people. And picking up a little uh, factoid from two episodes ago, uh, this uh, this was there was a two week gap between the Lazarus experiment there and was. 42 yep. because it was on the previous week from this that the Eurovision yeah, Song Contest was on so that settles some argument that we had yeah we did we were discussing something about so I can't remember what it was I was going to listen to the relevant thing but I don't think anybody think, yeah. gives a shit <laughs> there was a two week gap between Lazarus and this for the Eurovision Song Contest there we go uh, but and this is the this is the fun part oh yes in the uh, in Doctor Who magazine's the first five decades poll uh, out of 241 Doctor Who adventures, where do you think, or how do you think, 
that uh, 42 is regarded and you can do this as a team now mm. Mark is a veteran yet he's had like I don't know like one right something yeah. <laughs> like so, so, so fans have voted on like fans have voted uh, on each individual episode the quality of the episode quality of the episode mm. uh, so the day of the doctor is number one oh, and the twin dilemma is number 241 twin dilemma is Colin Baker's very first episode uh, where do you think 42 falls in where, where, where do you think it's ranked in the I'd love to say 42, but that's, <laughs> yeah, it would just never happen like that. Life is not that parallel um, at all. It sure isn't that well <laughs> Can we find out what 42 is after this, once we've made a decision? Absolutely, yeah. I think that would be quite Well, no, I'll tell you what 42 is now. Okay. The Pandorica opens and the Big Bang. Yeah, okay. okay, so remember that for when you get <laughs> yeah, to those death episodes. That uh, never, <laughs> ever <laughs> works. <laughs> in, in four years' time, you'll I remember think, that. I um, think 42... I remember being quite excited about watching this again because I don't remember really watching it yeah. since broadcast or maybe sure. since the DVDs came out. I'm yeah. like, oh, I remember really enjoying this when it, when it first went out. Watching it again, it has its flaws. Yep. So I think it's perhaps not particularly well regarded. Would, okay. you, would you say it's broken the top 100, though? No. Top 150? I'm going to go with 100 and... Oh, you can you're yeah, you're to overrule me. Um, I think maybe like a hundred and sixty-two. Okay, do you concur, Des? Uh, are we training this like The Price is Right, where I can just say higher or lower, and then I would instantly win? <laughs> Ooh, nobody <laughs> wins. <laughs> I don't even know why we do this. It adds nothing to proceedings. <laughs> it's just a thing. It's a gap filler, Ben. Don't break it out. How do you think we're going to pad out to an hour and a half this time if we didn't have this? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that it did break the top 150. Okay. And I will say it's 137. Okay. Uh, well, Mark, you are closest. Okay. Uh, you said 166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166166
So yeah, so that's what, but uh, I'm adding to that in that I got myself a neat vodka so I can have a vodka and Capri Sun mixer along with my pint of tenants. I've got a pint of tenants as well. <laughs> uh, and you've, uh, Des, you decided to opt for the completely, <laughs> yeah, completely aspals, isn't it? It's, uh, I, I, I didn't grasp the pun of the title of the podcast and so I just went for a pint of my usual strawberry. Right, so, so forty-two. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've watched it since uh, first uh, first broadcast. Um, I, I don't know. I I when I was watching it, I was texting you <laughs> with <laughs> it, with immediate, you you know, like with a, like a kind of live text. It made my walk home tweeting. from work very interesting. It was good. And it doesn't start promisingly for me because yeah. it starts basically in exactly the same well as we'll find out in exactly the same way as Planet of Evil starts mm. uh, it starts in the same way as the Satan Pit and uh, no, sorry, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit well it's a spiritual sequel really isn't basically, it because yeah. um, they use like a lot of the themes and the, the, the musical themes are more yeah. exactly yeah. the same as well and the, the whole sort of griminess of, of, mm. of space travel and colonisation yeah. like down, down to the fact that there was talk about having the Ood as part of the crew mm. in this thing as well and the space suit as well as the same space suit with a different helmet yeah, and the right. colour painted different colour and stuff like that yeah. um, and so, so it seems like and when they got into doing the quizzing element <laughs> the improbable idea of all these doors locked and they've got all these little pub quiz answers that they've yeah. got to give well this was at the, the prime quiz call remember quiz call yes yeah, like, yeah, well, like, between like oh midnight and five o'clock in the morning yeah. there would be an actor who hasn't got their big break yet, forced to ans ask questions to drunks. Yes. <laughs> um, that would, how exciting would Quiz Call have been if the studio was being sort of dragged into the sun <laughs> while, while that was happening? That would be... That yeah. would be it wouldn't have lasted. It wouldn't have lasted until the end of the first episode. Well, I mean, if it's like anything, it's like Cash Cab. We all, we all remember Cash Cab, Mark. Me and you were obsessed with Cash Cab. I loved Cash Cab. cab. Uh, about what ten years ago, there was a show called Cash Cab where somebody would get in a cab. Yeah, and I they would be they would be. It was driven a black London cab. Yeah. Black London cab. They would be driven around, uh, taken kind of the long way to their destination. <laughs> yeah. All the while answering questions, and if they got all the questions right, then they got the cab for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they did win a cash prize. Oh yeah, they, well, yeah, but also they got their journey for yeah. free. Yeah, well. but if you if you think about it, London cabs. You know, if they answer all those questions right, they would have saved themselves like a mini fortune. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. they could have remortgaged their house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, with all this kind of quizzing idea, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, for f "Is this going to be the bulk of the thing?" Because that's how I thought I remembered it. It was mm -hmm. a lot of, of questions, yeah. and it's like, "Why did we even have a bit of debate about what we would pair this up with?" As it is, it's Planet of Evil. Oh, yeah. But I texted you, going, "Come on, why would the Celestial Toy Maker would just like?" With just this, <laughs> lots of contrived yeah. quizzing and games and crap like that, and thankfully, about yeah. fifteen minutes in, it stops being that, it, yeah. Yeah. and then it turns into a really, I think, a really <coughs> enjoyable, very brilliantly directed by Graham Harper, mm. yeah. uh, really taut space and, and really kind of space opera thing. Elements of the Doctor's character that we've never seen before. Mm. Yeah, in this in this thing. I think space opera is quite. I mean, it I, it struck me more so watching Planet of Evil just how good a choice we made. Mm. <laughs> like they're it's very similar. It's it is. It's yeah. completely identical, and it's kind of almost environmentalist message. Yeah. In that sort of you know like in looking for a new energy source, you you kind of disrupt nature and you mess with nature, and, yeah. and it's gonna. You know, take its revenge on you. That was beautiful. 
Just had, uh, just had a slightly old Capri Sun just there. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm. That's, That's entirely the wrong segment. <laughs> yeah, so uh, somebody's going to make that into a ringtone. <laughs> I want you to know that. Sorry, I was, I was, I was trying to remix on it. I was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. And when so we get into Planet of Evil, we will list all the incredible amount of similarities yes, between the yes, two yes, things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's it is good. You're right. There is that kind of. It's very clunky. I think the fact that I remember at the time that all we're, you know, it's called Forty Two because it's going to take place in real time because yeah. 24 was quite big at the time yeah. and, and 24 I was a big fan of um, when I was on and it was basically you know real time show each hour episode is an hour and a day and you know that, that's the thing and they would they would tend to come up with sort of storylines that can just drag just drag the plot out a little bit and yeah. sort of just, there's a lot of padding in a series of 24 right and I found watching 42... I'm presuming around about kind of like 2 in the morning till 5 in the morning is not exciting. Sometimes it is, right. but more often than not, if you're going to be a terrorist committing an atrocity, you want to do it like sort of prime time, you know, yeah. a busy working day, so you're right, 2 o'clock till 5 o'clock in the morning, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody I've, cares. I have never watched 24, so I don't know how to go about doing that. But when do they, like, when do they start? It depends on it. I mean, the first series started, like, I think it was... Was it midnight to yeah? It was midnight to midnight. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah. But it so doesn't I, start with like Kiefer suddenly getting up in the morning and then like first half of the episode they're making an egg. No, no. And it's always just like it's it starts with somebody like he's in a something jam bad happening <laughs> and they've got a call in Jack Bauer and he's got to, like get get to the anyway. Is there, so, a, is there a lot of like lunch? There's like a lunch episode halfway no, through the season. No, He's just eating a Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that we're 24 off the air for about well, five, six years. I'm now making topical 24 <laughs> cans. What? <laughs> Here, did you ever see Jack Bauer go to the top? No. We did these jokes back in 2004. All right. Let's on the timeline, it's been topical since 2003. I am late to the game. <laughs> but much like 24, kind of, you know, to stretch out its 24 episode runtime comes up with a lot of padding. I found 42. Yeah. Now you would imagine 42 minutes isn't a lot of time. Yeah. And it isn't even 42 minutes. <laughs> no. There's yet, the there's 42 <laughs> minutes includes the titles yeah. and the end titles. True. Yeah. But that's 24. I mean, it includes <laughs> the advert breaks. No, yeah, okay. That's presumably where he makes the sandwiches and, and goes stuff. and has a shit yeah. and stuff. Um, but yet with 42, there's still he that makes padding. Makes a sandwich <laughs> and goes and has a shit. <laughs> That's a Pavlovian <laughs> response to bread. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, 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 sorry. But much like that, it's forty-two. There's a lot of padding for what is just ostensibly just forty, uh, just a quick yeah. forty-two-minute adventure. So, oh, we're getting dragged to the sun. How are we going to fix it? Oh, should we answer some quiz questions? Yeah. Shall we have like a f protracted six-minute sequence in which? the ejector pod's about to go but oh wait no it's not oh yes it is oh no it's not oh yes it is yeah. it's really bizarre it's, yeah. really, it's like, like it shouldn't be too difficult to write an exciting 42 minute drama without having to resort to kind of yeah. things just to stretch the runtime a bit yeah. but it does it, it kind of feels as if it's not quite got the strength of its convictions no and I think a lot of it is shorn up by Graham Harper and his direction mm. um I mean, I, I mean, some of the most, some of the, some of the greatest moments in it are the visuals, yeah. or are the, I don't know, the particular approaches to action as opposed to what the action itself is. Yeah. Uh, for instance, the spacewalk. Well, they got a switch on the outside of the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somebody's got to lean out, and it's set. Yeah. It's set just beyond the slightly yeah. So if he, so if even feasibly you think, okay, fine, it's supposed to be in that position. I, I you would put it next to the door. <laughs> you wouldn't put it just beyond. Like who's measured that space? What in giant man at like the fucking merchant's docking area has like measured that out? I, I remember what but, but Graham Harper makes it look like it's the most exciting, yeah. vital, stunning bit yeah. of you know because the music helps with that and the and also Tennant's performance yeah. as well. I mean, he's putting his back. He, he, Tennant said this was the most exhausting Doctor Who yeah. that he's done up right. to that yeah. point, and you can I get that because he's got to spend a lot of time convulsing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I found stretching and convulsing. <laughs> I did actually find that scene with the uh, switch outside the ship unintentionally funny. <laughs> It, it was the acting and everything is fine, but it's when over the radio uh, he just says, "So he just says, Doctor, uh, how are you doing?" And he just says, "I can't, I can't reach it." And then he just went, "Come on, Doctor, you can do it." And then he somehow wills his arm yeah. to get, yeah. to get yeah. lot, like he becomes Stretch Armstrong for like a split second, just going, "I can't reach it." Yes, you can. Oh wait, I can. Yeah. Yes, I've got it now. I, actually, now that you said that, that has reminded me how annoyed I was actually watching that in that the Doctor suddenly loses the ability to be the Doctor and it takes like, just some random from the ship going you can do it, you're right, I can <laughs> that's what I always say to my companions uh, uh, uh. oh people I really wish you could see Ben's face when you it was a prize well he can regenerate his arm so presumably he can also yeah, like, stretch, out, stretch out a bit uh, there, was, there was one element of the show and it kind of took me out of the episode <laughs> Funny enough, it was at the very, very beginning of the episode. Yeah. It's what uh, the doctor is doing with Martha's phone. He's installing a like a universal roaming app yeah. to her phone, yeah. and he's just and he throws the phone back. And just says, "There you go. You'll never have to worry about getting another signal again." And Martha's just going, "Well, I could phone anybody." And he just has this throwaway line, just going, "As long as you know the area code." Ha ha ha! Hilarity ensues. They're time travelers. Yeah. Why is it that she's uh, on a ship in the future that she's able to phone her mum in 2007? How does that work? Yeah, I think, did we discuss this in, in, in the end of the world? It's like... Yeah. Sorry, so sorry? Rose had the same ability. Yeah. Those yeah. Were, hers were a little device rather than Martha's. What's Martha's mum called again? Francine Jones. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, just fine. She knows the area code. Like, bim, 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 bim. Hello, mum. Mum? Yeah, Francine Jones. Francine Jones hasn't lived here for five billion years. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like you say, how does just knowing the area code? It must be some sort of telepathic. Yeah, it could be. Thing, so, so, it, even, even if the doctor just said, you know, type in the date that you want to phone before you phone before you type in the number. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, but it's it's just a bit. It's like it's the magic of the TARDIS. Yeah, is, it's, yeah, is it's telepathic. Is. Yeah. That's usually what you get. Yeah, right? yeah. So then it can facilitate <laughs> yeah. a nice emotional, yeah. you know, thing at the. Uh, no, just that. No, it was, it was sorry. It was a long game, and we were talking about that. But he phones his he phones his mum. Oh like, yeah. Why yeah. did they know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's it's. Uh, I suppose. I mean, you, we spoke about this when we did our Series 8 overview, mm -hmm. and that we've kind of finally found out really how the sonic screwdriver works, is that you point and think. So maybe it just the phone works in the same way, you just think about 
when you want to, and presumably you're kind of chronologically locked into the last moment you saw your mum, so it's gonna it's gonna phone that particular time, something I, within that space. I can destroy that argument in the same episode. Do it then. Okay, at the very end of the episode, when Martha phones her mum and just goes, "We should have uh, you could come around today and have lunch. That'd be great." And Martha just goes, "Yeah, that'd be lovely. Remind me, what day is it?" Yeah. How does Mar- if Martha's thinking of her mum? On a specific date, on a specific time, why does she have to ask her mum for that date? Wow. So that they can go, well, it's yes. election day, and then there can be loads of foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for, the, for the Saxon reveal. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, like, the thing is, like, we're, we're now, like, what, two weeks from election day for, for Great Britain. Who, oh God, remember, people who, vote Saxon. Who's going to get up on that day and go, it's election day? No, like, people just go, <laughs> yeah. it's Thursday. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> who goes election day? There's, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what's taken. It's because there yeah. are a lot of artificial yeah. little Well, should we do things? this now? It's because I, I, I find the decision to end 42 on a cliffhanger yeah. very bizarre. To end it on a cliffhanger that's not going to be resolved for, what, five weeks? Yeah. <laughs> By sure. But that's that's the, that's a very odd decision to make. Well, okay, well I've, uh, okay, I, I know what you mean. And I, I refer you back to a tweet that you made, Mark. Which Ooh. is that watching? He's got them all on a list. He's got a big list of them. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I'm going to hold this against him. <laughs> it's, it's when it's when you it's when you pointed this out on Twitter, which is w- the um, the next time for human nature, <laughs> yeah. family of blood. You said was just it's just a lot of people screaming their heads off. Yeah, like it gives you no indication of what <laughs> yeah. will actually happen. Because human nature is this just really like emotional, very sh- you know human yeah. tale of you know love and and all this kind of thing, and basically to sell that to your average audience member on Saturday night so we just have loads of screaming and people yeah. frightened because that's what they expect from Doctor yeah. Who when this is the, the story that's least like Doctor Who but it, it isn't that I mean I think my recollection of series 3 coming up is that they, they, the, the, the serial that everybody was looking forward to was Human Nature Family mm. Blood that was the most yeah. anticipated one oh, yeah. and, I some, and I do remember sometimes thinking hurry up series 3 I want to get mm. to near the end where all the goodies are yeah. and I think it's just a case of that all these kind of like uh, you know like Saxon imagery and little bits of plot were put in to shore up a not very strong middle series episode mm. and the reason they could leave it on a cliffhanger is because, because the showboating anticipated yeah. well you've got human nature you've got blink and then yeah. you've got YouTube, sure, but, yeah, but just human nature that's the one that most people were like people knew there was going to be big stuff happening in the last couple of episodes yes uh, and people i don't before blink happened nobody had any thought they would be as good true, as it was true. people were watching for human nature <clears> so you can put it on a cliffhanger and then people will just go, brilliant, it's the Doctor is human next time, it's based on a book, and oh, is that a bit of, is Paul McGann in a drawing in that book <laughs> oh, that yeah. saw? Oh, the, the Journal um, of Impossible Things, yeah. yeah. So, I, so they, mm. they can get away with it by shoring it up yeah. yes. with the Saxon stuff and then going, right, but you all know what's coming next. And that's why mm. the trailer is just a perfunctory kind of screamathon. Ah! Because everybody already knows, it's already been trailed in anticipation. Yeah. yeah. In people's heads, so people already know what to what to expect. Fob watch, explosion, scream, <laughs> doctor acting human credits. There you go. That's yeah, nobody there. cares. Everybody knows. That was just a wasted two seconds yeah. for that. that <laughs> thing, you know. Uh, uh, to, to get back to forty two, uh, what did you guys think of the the uh, villain design? Uh, just the it was basically just a human, but with gloves and like the welding mask. Right. Thing on. Yeah. Uh, the design works because once again it's it kind of like Darth Vader where you don't see a human face it's just like a blank 
um, canvas. Yeah. yeah. But it, the introduction of it with the, the the captain's husband, I can't remember his name, but yeah. he's in the medieval and he's screaming that he's being burnt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being burnt on the inside, it's just it's just growing in him. I actually found that really unsettling. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that a creature that a creature gets in and essentially just boils you alive from the inside out. I found that really unsettling. It is it is quite horrible. It's that kind of great thing with Doctor Who that there's really horrible horrible ideas. Mm. But if you're a kid watching it, you kind of you don't quite twig the, the just the sheer horror of it. Yeah, you just say, oh, he just burns people because he's from the sun. Whereas as an adult watching, you're like, this man's being burnt alive from the inside. That's really horrible. Yeah. So it works. It's one of those great sort of Doctor Who villains that kind of works on on every level yeah. for like everybody watching it. Yeah, I think. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't all that keen on it um, because there's so much about Forty Two that you've seen before mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, and uh, in doing a bit of background reading, the, the 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 whole idea of the phrase "burn with me" was supposed to be like another catchphrase that they could introduce, like "Are you my mummy?" That yeah. you know. Oh, oh, but oh. more than that, they've also just resorted to the same sort of baddie. Yeah. Uh, it's an adult now, but it's still a mask obscuring mm. the face. Yeah. True. Uh, so it's a little kid in Doctor Dance's Empty Child, and now Forty Two, they just got a guy with a mask on. Yeah. Uh, apparently, a very conscious steal from Gambit from the is it Gambit from the X Men? Who's the Cyclops from the X Men? Cyclops. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is. Um, yeah. And it just so it just seemed like okay, well, that's picked from that, that's picked from that, that's picked from that, yeah. it, and the, the baddie epitomizes the kind of you've seen it before. Yeah element of 42 mm-hmm. to the point is the thing we, we, we talked about this we had a go at the doctor uh, for um, taking Martha to places he'd already taken yeah she gets a really rough time oh it's a really Rose. grimy spaceship yeah. yeah but that's the thing it's, it's now it's not just about taking Martha where he'd been with Rose before the episodes now look like episodes like this just looks like an episode from the previous series yeah so it just looks like uh, it, it looks like he's continuing that We'll do exactly what I'll, I'll do in sequence with you. What I've already <laughs> done with Rose in the series before. So where have we been? We've been, had an Earthbound adventure. Okay, next stop, a space thing. Yeah, <laughs> a, a claggy old space yeah. factory. That's. I think that's where the we're thing going. because I mean Russell T as great as as really great and as as much as he should be lauded. There is a very clear structure yeah. to every series that he does. Yeah. So I say, oh, here's the you know the celebrity historical. Here's the returning monster. Here's the space adventure. Here's the historical adventure. Yeah. It's so that I think it's not so much the. Doctor Sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm sucking out the end of my Capri sunbag. That the euphemism. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> I never thought of it like that before. But it's, yeah, it's, it's always right. it's, yeah. it, it's like that. So I think that yes, on a character level, you can go. You're such a prick. Were you taking out all these things that you know you've already <laughs> done before? Yeah. It's actually just because that's yeah. what the audience expects from Doctor yeah. Who. Mm. Now is Russell T Davis taking the Doctor and the yeah, audience? It's, it's his things, fault. <laughs> yes, it's touchstones. Yeah. You yeah. you understand it, and <laughs> thankfully we're ten years away from that now. We. <laughs> so you make a point and I suck the bag you, I make a point you suck the bag is that how it works you look like such a big bloody baby doing that That's <laughs> I make a point and you suck the bag is totally the opposite title I'm silently <laughs> sucking away here uh, so yeah uh, so yeah I mean yeah I, I get it yeah it's uh, 
but but there are some like, okay well it, there are some I'll tell you what let's bring it down to kind of not close it up but let's be a bit more specific so mm-hmm. let's do like favourite scenes and performances so we can focus a bit more in on the, the good stuff that undeniably is in this episode I mean I think the stuff with Martha in the escape pod is very good yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's that great sort of human emotional drama that yeah. Russell T era Doctor Who does so well yeah um, I mean, I don't know how much of it is Chris Chibnall, how much of it is Russell T. In the past, I would have leaned towards it being Russell T, but obviously Chris Chibnall wrote Broadchurch, which, you know, is something that's ostensibly like a whodunit, but is actually a really touching, emotional sort of examination of what a murder does to a community. Yeah. So actually now watching it, I'm like, oh, actually, no, I can totally believe that this was Chris Chibnall writing these scenes and yeah, he has yeah. that grasp of, of sort of, you know, family relationships and stuff mm-hmm. like that so I think that's very good and I love it's a really great I suppose it's a scene that's sent up later on in series 4 the scene where Martha's getting sent out on the escape pod and the doctor's banging on the thing and you see it from each of their perspectives and you can't hear what the other person's saying yeah. Yeah. that's really beautifully done and really well directed mm-hmm. um, there's yeah, lots of little nice brilliant. moments mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah I think uh, I think Freeman Adjuman's performance in, in that particular area is great um, I think Tennant is amazing mm. when he is infected with the what was it called like the sun monster yeah, the, call it? yeah the sun, sun. particle sun. burn burn people yeah Bernie the burn with me people yeah the burn with <laughs> yeah uh, I think he's great doing that I was, that, that was going to be that was going to be mine whenever he's in the uh, the scanner in the medieval sure. and he's not some of the all-purpose medical scanner freezing <laughs> machine. That, that, that is the one. That's the technical term. That weird thing. Yeah. yeah. Whenever he's in that, and he's he's not so much confiding in in Martha, but he's he says that he's scared. Yeah. Because yeah. he's come across something that he doesn't know. Uh, he doesn't fully understand it. He doesn't know how it's going to affect him because he's seen what it does to humans. But obviously, he's a time lord, and he's trying to explain to Martha about regeneration yeah. in case it goes mm. wrong and Martha just sort of cuts him off yeah. he, he, it's, that's a yeah. a really good moment that's one of my personal nice favourites really yeah. yeah I did like that I mean I'm, I, I'm not in a way it kind of it ups the ante mm. in that you can think that maybe is that the end of that doctor Yeah, but in the idea that he's saying Tommy's about to broach the subject of regeneration yeah. kind of suggests like to be, to be honest the worst case scenario I'll just regenerate <laughs> and everything will be fine yeah. which so it slightly detracts but I it, I get that on a on a kind of ba- on a like a, an obvious base level it's it's actually very engaging it's very yeah. uh, it's very effective and creating yeah. a kind of real drama for the situation um, to go along the same lines is there any elements of the show that you didn't like uh Anything that sort of took think, you out for it. I think a lot of it is, like I said before, I think there's a lot of padding, which for something that's trying to set itself up as like a big uninterrupted 42 minutes of action is yeah. a bit odd. Yeah. And I think actually there's a bit, I think the thing that fucking really hits the nail on the head is that reveal at the start where Martha's looking at the, the scene and says, oh my god. And then like it takes about 20 minutes, it feels like. For the spaceship, to, for the camera to sort of tilt round the spaceship, and, and then the show sun. that it's going into the sun yeah. after they've already said we're heading into the sun. Oh yeah, but that's that's just showboating. That's showing off. Yeah, the but it feels effects. really slow. It yeah. doesn't feel like showboating. It just feels like well, I know. Can we just 
Well, I... It's like, I know you've got a really beautifully designed spaceship and it looks very nice as CGI, but maybe what would have been better was if you start panning out while they're having the conversation yeah. and then when it just reaches around, Martha can then go, it's the sun, and then just pan on the sun. Yeah. It's like, it says the line, then does the reveal. It's just a... a I think I'm mistaken the editing I think. Yeah. so I mean I can kind of I, I, I get I, I get what you mean about padding um, I uh, to be honest I measure all Doctor Who padding up against the opening of the leisure high <laughs> uh, that interminable pan across the Brighton <laughs> beach to the Doctor and Romana which this is this is the same this is, <laughs> sure but it's not nearly as long so okay. I let it off but at the, at the same time uh, at the same time I'm writing 42 uh, Chris Chibnall was also writing uh, a lot of Torchwood, mm. of the mm. first series of Torchwood, as well as some Life on Mars episodes. Yeah. Uh, so apparently his workload was fairly uh, excessive, and 42 slightly feels like he's come up with an idea and they've just got a good director in to shore it up yeah. because it's been it's suffered for being part of a larger workload. Mm. And you, yeah, you, are, you are right. I mean, there's. <laughs> when you think about it, you know there are there are like great showboating like scenes and elements, but you can't. It, it all seems very straightforward and simple when you think about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, uh, well, it's a very straightforward Doctor Who story. There's not much nuanced. Yeah, yeah. The Doctor turns up, something has gone horribly wrong. He needs to fix it. Yeah. And then there's the added thing because what I really love about this is like he turns up and he goes, "Oh, we'll just bugger off in the TARDIS. Follow me." What it's. I can't get through the door. Oh, right, okay. Because it's really hot. <laughs> wow, that was like that time I was on a base and then that whole room fell into a crack in the earth and I, we couldn't do anything that time either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I get it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, well, uh, favourite performances then. I mean, like Tennant and Freeman Adjaman, definitely. Yeah, well, then that's it. Uh, that, that's really it, isn't it? Well, Michelle Collins. Michelle Collins is good. She, I like that she's, um, she's very much, she seems to be relishing the opportunity to go a bit Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's, she's really enjoying that, especially that kind of heroic death she gets at the yeah. end and I stuff like that. The, the yeah, she apparently <laughs> went to the gym to really, like, right. Ripley up. <laughs> Ripley up! <laughs> before, she, uh, before she did it, yeah. yeah. I'd love to do it, but I'm rippling up right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did like her performance. The one thing that I, I didn't like was whenever uh, the... Uh, I'm just going to say her husband because I can't remember his <laughs> well, name Sun Monster, yeah, Sun Monster version 1.0 um, where he is down down the doctor says you know he's no longer himself and she's just there just going no it's not true don't say that no he's st I love him don't you be stop it now you're yeah. a bad I'm just going <laughs> you're a bad doctor don't you be at that I'm just listening I'm just going he's explained it to you he's presented evidence yeah he, you've seen him kill somebody but you no I, the love will save him yeah well in that sense I do quite like it because I mean we, we never get to see that relationship at all no. so she's conveying everything about that relationship and it makes it like a believable relationship yeah. yeah we believe that like before we arrived there was a life there and there was a chemistry yeah uh but more than that, I mean, I, we can also really see the guilt at play as to what mm -hmm. she's done, uh, of, you know, about illegally using scooped out sun, sun. monsters yeah. as, as a power source. <laughs> you know. So, it's, uh, yeah, so it's the guilt speaking. I think she really, I think she really conveys that emotion. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's in the episode with Freeman Adjuman, who gets far more weighty yeah. emotional stuff that we actually give a shit about yeah. to, to deal with, you know. Yeah, so. no, that's true. It's true. That's the, that's the only weak element that I can see in that 
episode. That I did not think that there was a weak performance from anybody, even the yeah. the, the cannon fodder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, that's the thing as well. I mean, it does go back to Satan Pit and Possible Planet, uh, in that the, like all their crew was very well drawn mm. as mm. well. Yeah, uh, quite liked it. Um, I don't know. I just remember watching this, and the most exciting elements of the whole show were the Doctor talking about possibly regenerating, and when you go back to Martha's house and seeing the uh, the sinister Saxon and the, the first use of that master theme tune, yeah. which at that point the archangel it, sound, yeah, yeah, you don't know what it is, yeah, but like watching it again, you're like, oh yeah, now yeah. I remember, I remember what, it, what all this is leading to. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. All right, well, I mean, there's anything else we want to talk about forty two wise. I mean, do we want to, you know, the, the what it does foreshadow. Uh, you know, um, I do like the the uh, as was mentioned the the introduction of the the Saxon mm. character and the Saxon theme. Uh, I did I did like some of the the, the humor in in the show as well, especially with like the the questions for some of the doors, like the the Happy Prime number, which was a, a bit, just a bit of a spiel just rung yeah. off by tenant, but obviously the because I think around about the time uh, there was like something in the papers about. Downloads and should they be yeah. incorporated into the top forty? And then they yeah. had that gag of who had the most uh, albums, Elvis or Beatles pre-download. And I, th- I, I thought that was a nice wee mm. throwaway yeah. callback um, joke. Because um, it was in the midst of that period where they released what, like an Elvis song every there, month? Did they? No, no, no. There was an Elvis remix. Uh, the uh, a little less satisfaction because yeah. I, I think but it was off the back of that and I think it was like you're right there was something like that oh, yeah. the anniversary yeah. of his death or his birth or something that's right like yeah. every month they released a new Elvis song and I think a vast majority of them went to number one but this was on the, the oh, downloads cusp that's why you do this podcast, Ben. Yeah. You know your stuff. No, no, no. I mean, like, like half, half the fun about doing this podcast is going through it chronologically, remembering this stuff yeah. that was going on round about and I in doing some reading and I didn't remember this so it was nice so we, we've we've spoken at great length about my favourite Doctor Who headline being the possibility that Woody Allen was going to be cast as Davros <laughs> that, that, was, that was a thing in the Sun newspaper once right uh, at, uh, uh, Sun yeah. <laughs> oh sorry you did that well uh, done in reading the uh, series 3 companion Doctor Who magazine I was also alerted to the fact that he was again brought into the headlines with Doctor Who because because this was the period where he was making films in and around London yeah. that he was going to be he was he was being lined up to be cast as Albert Einstein in Voyage of the Damned that Woody Allen was going to no he's not in any way it was just a crazy bit because they'd had so there's a headline that says we have Kylie now it's now it's Woody Alien is what they called him in the headline Um, and so that is half the fun of doing these things chronologically is remembering all these crazy thoughts and suppositions and ideas and hopes and expectations he had as a series of Doctor Who developed that would have been it's mad that like because obviously between 1989 and 2005 yeah. you know there was all these kind of oh they're bringing Doctor Who back and this person's going to play Doctor Who what's really funny is that when Doctor Who came back so successfully those stories have stayed but what you've had instead is that you know because remember when Rose was, was first uh, getting filmed yeah and as David Beckham was going to be in it as a waxwork yeah. of David Beckham yeah. that was going to be brought Dave to life by the Autons and stuff like that that, well, that was that was that on was, the table yeah, by Russell was a, Davis a, a, but there was all these mad rumours that instead of just like who's going to play the doctor it's now just like oh well 
Woody Allen's going to be Albert Einstein because why the hell not yeah. in the fine tradition of Ken Dodd and Delta and <laughs> the Banner Woody Allen was going to be Davros he was going to be Albert Einstein yeah. that would have been the best thing ever hello Albert how are you doing I'm a genius I just I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing here I just, why did I sound like a French guy <laughs> I don't know that, oh we don't know what is happening as you say <laughs> Woody Halliday, he's, oh, he's yeah. American via Paris. That's, uh, I, I love the fact though that he's obviously been cast for the look, so that he looks like either Albert Einstein or a horribly deformed mutant. Bitch, <laughs> 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 I mean. <laughs> the thing is that with, with Davros, Woody Allen uses his hands all the time, so with one, yeah, of, with, yeah. with one of them like in the wheelchair and the other is supposed to immobilely hover <laughs> over a switch, there's not a lot. Can you just. There's not he a lot of action. actually act. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of action when he's got one hand that he can't move. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of finger acting going on there. Excellent. Uh, all right. Well, okay. I think we've. Uh, I. I. I, I Enough's I, enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see what I can do if we can edit this chat about 42 down to 42 yes, minutes. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. um, what we're going to do now. <laughs> Has it even been 42 minutes? Oh, it's been over. What kind of your bad guy going to be? Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I think what we're going to do now is uh, we'll just recharge our glasses and we'll come back because we've paired 42 up with uh, Planet of Evil, some classic Tom Baker. Well, welcome back. Uh, we've recharged our glasses and we've got our drinks all ready to talk about the 1956 film Forbidden Planet. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, should I, I, watch the, I watch the wrong thing. Oh, oh no. Uh, no, it is, of course. I prepared for Shakespeare's The Tempest. I don't know if that's... <laughs> <laughs> is, isn't that the play that contains the word Expelliarmus? <laughs> if I remember correctly. Uh, no, we are back. We are, uh, we are here for um, Planet of Evil. Uh, and, uh, well, for... So, okay, so I was... Now, in the... In the end, the, the drink we decided to go with was your suggestion, right. Mark, um, because I had come up with a lot of different permutations of what we could have mm -hmm. as a drink, um, and because this was Planet of Evil, I thought maybe well, we'll do a Bloody Mary because of that weird concoction that Sorensen oh, of, of his, he drinks the potion. Yeah. Um, I then looked up, because I mean, we're saying Forbidden Planet, it's a bit of a rip from that, but it's also the starting point for Planet of Evil was um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I looked into what the actual construction of <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde's potion was in the, in the Robert Louis Stevenson book was. Nothing, there's no alcohol there. So I looked up what, I was going to bring along some claret because that was Robert Louis Stevenson's favourite drink. <laughs> Or possibly rum. He also liked rum. That's why the rum is included in Treasure Island. Okay. I then looked a little further back because Forbidden Planet is apparently based on the Tempest. I have no idea really how that is the case. Uh, and uh, there was two drunks in the Tempest that kind of look after Caliban for the play, and they were just going to have wine. So I thought maybe wine. But you came up with the idea of just having some Jaeger. Yeah. Uh, so well, in tribute to. Frederick Yeager, who yep. plays uh, Professor Sorensen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> so we're sitting so here with we some Jaeger bombs. Before we well, should we just sip them? Oh, I'll sip them. Let's just sip them. Come on. This is a Sunday afternoon. This is Classic Who. Classic Who takes its time. 
uh, as opposed to you know New Who, which is very so. Which would have just necked it. Yeah. So oh wait, I, I'm strictly New Who fan. Should I just neck this <laughs> then and regret it That's later? Right. I'll also, and uh, well, you know, listeners, you can't see this, but I, Des has now put on his Tom Baker scarf. We'll take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> we? Hello, ladies. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's so Jaeger bomb in tribute to Professor Sorensen. That's what we're drinking with Planet of Evil. But stats. I mean, you could add some smoke to this, and it could quite easily be Professor uh, oh, well, Sorensen's that formula. Was, that was another thing as well. So I went on Yahoo Answers. That's <laughs> um, nice for all the answers. I, I, just, I just typed in Jekyll and Hyde potion ingredients. It came up Yahoo Answers. One of the questions had been. How do I make, you know, for a party? Yeah. Uh, I hope it's for a party. <laughs> rather than actually, how do I, how do I make a, a Jekyll and Hyde-esque potion? And somebody had suggested uh, half, uh, like a shot glass, half Sambuca, half uh, Jägermeister. And half a, dry ice. And a, yeah, a bit of dry ice for it to like ooze out. Yeah. I thought that was maybe too far for it's this. It's a bit dangerous. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, it's, I wouldn't not, it's not dangerous, there is edible... <laughs> That's true, there is. I've watched enough MasterChef to know. <laughs> enough Heston Blumenthal to know that. So, Planet of Evil uh, by Louis Marx and directed by David Maloney uh, was broadcast between Monday the 5th of July 1976 and Thursday... Uh, is that the case? Planet of Evil? Yes, okay. Apparently. Oh. Uh, Thursday the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Is that the case? Would that would well, Monday. It was on. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I I did not know this, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and maybe I can find out somewhere else. Uh, Planet of Eve. The book that we get these stats for the classic uh, Who part of the show is Dimensions and Time by Mark Campbell. We've known in the past that it can sometimes be wrong, yeah. dates and times-wise. Yeah. Uh, you had says, angry fans attack you? It says here that... Um, Do Wikipedia. Uh, Planet of Evil was on, the four parts were on consecutive nights. Monday the 5th of July, Tuesday the 6th of July, Wednesday the 7th of July, Thursday the 8th of July, 1976, uh, all in the hour of 6 o'clock. Uh, is that the case? Because well, Pyramids of Mars, which is the next story, is back to being Saturdays, uh, and the story before it, Terror of the Zygons, was on I Saturdays. have here... Um, From what source? Actually, hang on a second. What did what days did you have there, Ben? 5, 6, 7, 8 July. Ah, because I've got the 27th of September to the 18th of October 1975. Oh, Mark Campbell, come on now! But I mean, that's Wikipedia, so God knows. So Go back to making soup, Campbell, for God's sake. Oh, God, that means that the information we've been given out and on the time lapse. Well, broadcast 27th of September, yeah, to the 18th of October. Um, it doesn't have the times, but yeah, I would imagine roughly. Oh, dear. Okay, well, tell you what we'll Maybe do. Maybe there was a repeat series or something, I don't know. Well, what we will do, uh, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, we will definitively learn the answer to this. I know you're all intended on it. Is it, uh, is it on DVD? Yes, it is. If yeah. any fans out there has the DVD, because I know uh, that on the back of classic DVDs it has the original broadcast yeah. dates on the back. So, but then I've put my faith in this book. I put it, I've put my faith in this book, so that I never think to look anywhere. Well, so check it out. But much like religion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the extensive show notes that we now do for each of these episodes, we'll pop the definitive answer uh, in the show notes. So at this point, stop listening. 
Uh, no, don't stop listening. Well, whilst it's on in the background, God's sake. consult the show notes at on the timeline.wordpress.com. We could give you a nice like five seconds silent gap for you to quickly go <laughs> yeah. on to Google and type that in. So if we could maybe just start that now. <laughs> While Ben looks up the. Uh, oh no, I've got it. I've got it. Okay, but okay. So back into more familiar, certain territory. First five decades poll. Okay. Where do you think that Planet of Evil is? Uh, well, everybody loves Planet of Evil, don't they? They sure do. <laughs> Planet of Evil, it, it's the first time of, of... People have a healthy respect for Planet of Evil. That's probably the better way of saying it. Okay. It's the first time that I've, I've seen uh, Planet of Evil. Mm. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. It wouldn't be this, the standard definitive, if you want to see Tom Baker at his best, go watch this episode. Yeah. Um, so out of 100... What was it, 150? 241. 241. I would say 197. 197. I think it's higher than that. Well, you'd be you'd be uh, smart. Uh, to make sorry, did I say 100? I meant 97. <laughs> I'm <laughs> gonna go with. I, I don't wanna. Can I just say top 50? Uh, <laughs> sure, if you want to. Are you gonna stick with that? Is that your final answer? Because I can't think of it. Okay, <laughs> let's go with. 45. 45. Uh, this time, Dez was closest. What? His, with his second guess. Oh, thank God for that. Uh, it's not 97, it's 92. Okay. Uh, between 91, The Girl Who Waited, and 93, The Curse of Peladon. That's good company. Ah. So, yeah. I'd say it's better than The Curse of Peladon, though. Well, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and the, one better than The Curse of Peladon. And The Girl That Waited, that's a really well-told episode. That's good. That's but good. that's for another... Podcast for, for another time. Years. For like a year and a half, two years. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so what have we got here with Planet of Evil? Well, um, why, okay, why did we pair this up? We thought it was just about kind of uh, you know living planets and, and all that kind of stuff. Celestial right? bodies and yeah. the the similarities are are many between forty two. Well, what, and once again, it's about the search for an energy source. Yeah, you know that basically it's gonna fuck you up. <laughs> well, you know, okay. nature's going to take its course, yeah. and, uh, and nature it's not comes very from happy. Compton for some yeah, reason. It's going to go fuck you up, son. I'm too white. Where you? I'm trying to wear a twelve foot scarf for God's sake. We are the whitest men. We are. We should get some cultural diversity on the timeline. Energy. It's also. You know, planets pulling spaceships back yes, towards them, yeah. uh, not allowing elements of the planet to be taken off planet. Mm -hmm. uh, glowing eyes. Yeah, the Doctor right kind of eyes. having a a weird spiritual communion with the yeah. with the villain, I yeah. guess as well. Uh, the, well, I mean, some kind of possession yeah. by the strange energy thing. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, it is uh, a, a, a kind of fairly well drawn, but ultimately bland crew in the background <laughs> of <laughs> the Doctor yes. and Sarah's adventure, yeah. uh, and uh, I don't know a great confidence between Doctor and companion. Oh yeah, yeah, oh. absolutely. Uh, and also as well, Tom Baker, he gets rid of his scarf. Uh, David Tennant, he's not wearing his tie. <laughs> for 42 yeah, so there we go yes. it's, 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 it's practically the same <laughs> it's, story it's the same episode they just copied and pasted it yeah. um, but it should be said that, uh, that in this period so uh, this is the, the first uh, so it's not the first serial so the first serial of this second Tom Baker series with Terror of the Zygons but Terror of the Zygons was a production yeah. from the series before that was held over ah. uh, so this Planet of Evil is the first 
essentially the first production of yeah. the second block. Yeah. Um, and it's the first production of Philip Hinchcliffe and Robert Holmes as the production team themselves, rather than having to take a previous production team's yeah. ideas and mm -hmm. stories they'd already put into process, uh, which they'd done with Genesis and Revenge of the Simon and Ark in Space, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the, it's, so it's the first of that kind of, uh, they just wholesale steal from classic <laughs> literature. You know, we've already, we've already, Talons of Wang Chiang, we've already had, what else have we had for that period? Uh, oh, in the, in the run, um, Frankenstein with Brain of Brain Morbius. Morbius. Um, uh, so, you know, Frankenstein, uh, Towns of Wang Chang, was all the kind of Sherlock Holmes type of yeah. uh, mysteries. Uh, this is, well, this is Dr. Jekyll <coughs> and Mr. Hyde. Yep. Yep. Uh, although Louis Marx also says that Tale of Two Cities was also one of the classic books mm. that began the thought process on the story. I don't mm. really see how... I don't yeah. really get the connection with that. It was the seventies. It's very, it's very Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it also looks incredibly like the film Forbidden Planet. Yes, yes. It does. Oh, really but does. also, do you know, it, it which feels was based on the Tempest. <laughs> Again, though, I don't understand that. It feels a bit like a Star Trek episode as well. Mm. It feels like one of those Star Trek episodes where the Enterprise has turned up to save somebody. Yeah. And they've they've been beamed aboard the Enterprise. Yeah. <clears throat> they've brought something terrible with them that's going to, you know. Kill the whole crew. Yeah. Um, Wasn't the doctor and Sarah Jane also responding to a distress call? Yes. Yeah. At the very yeah. start of the yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, not just responding to a distress. Podcast pop crawl. What you need is David Tennant's bottom teeth. It really helps enunciate. What, no, what is your obsession with David Tennant's bottom teeth? We, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago yeah. that he, he has a tendency to, to jut out his jaw and yeah. kind of it's show his. It's a powerful jaw. It's a, it is a, I'm not criticising it. Yeah. But it's always nice to see them <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he flashes his bar. So they're not just responding to a distress call, it's the doctor's sheer joy at realising they have a distress call so that they can launch themselves into the adventure. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the thing. That, yeah. Um, yeah, so it starts in the same way. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's so long since I watched Planet of Evil. I, I think it was maybe like a UK Gold repeat was the last time I ever <laughs> yes, watched it. Yeah. God bless um, you, UK Gold. And don't you think? That, I mean, this is a side issue. Uh -huh. Don't you think that six o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a Saturday oh, and a joy. Sunday, Saturday and a Sunday, is important to Doctor Who fandom? Oh, God, it's, like, yeah. it's like seven o'clock yeah. on a Saturday night. <laughs> you know, I think it. it I don't want to, you know, assume the opinion of. Oh, assume, Who assume fans, away. But do you know? I think for a certain age of Doctor Who fan, of maybe like you know, like you, you and I, yeah. who kind of grew up to at the tail end of Doctor Who, um, I think six o'clock on a Saturday and Sunday morning. Yeah. It was kind of the best Saturday morning cartoon you could have. Was yeah, Doctor yeah. Who on UK Gold? Two and a half hours of the Sea Devils. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. You get, you get up before your mum and dad. You're, yeah. you're still in your jammies. You sit way close to the TV, yeah, closer than you should be allowed. Yeah, yeah. all the while stinking of a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> from the twenty-eight night. years old, he was twenty-eight years old. <laughs> Uh, but yes, no, no. But yeah. no, I really was looking forward to watching Planet of Evil again, much like I was before it too. And thankfully. Planet of Evil for the most part I was like yeah yeah, I'm vindicated in my excitement for watching <laughs> yeah. this again because um, yeah. it is it's it's great fun and it's so there's like I can't emphasise enough just how fun it is to watch Tom Baker and Liz Sladen at just the absolute height of their popularity oh that was one of the first things that I caught in that episode yeah. that the chemistry they have yeah. you can tell that they're old uh, that yeah. they're they're 
just really good friends yeah. Yeah. and they just have this camaraderie and this banter between each other that's yeah. one of the first things that I got in that episode and I absolutely loved it all the way through because yeah. I, I mean I, I've, I've always said the best Doctor and Companion relationships are the ones where it feels like it's just two friends mm. just having adventures together yeah. and this yeah. just oh god it's, it really just hits that yeah. my, one of my favourite scenes is when they've both been caught and imprisoned in like is it the bedroom of the original <laughs> yeah. scout ship it's like the ark it's, like, it's, the, it's the kitchen of <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> imprisonment yeah. and they're just in there and they've been captured there's guys with guns but they're both acting like they're just children that have been sent to the room yeah. like the doctor's kind of rocking back he's kind of leaning back onto the bed he's in a bit of a huff and Sarah's kind of like going <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she goes, should we just go out the window? Yeah, I love that. just go out the window? Oh, but it's... It's power sealed. It's like, yeah, but the power's off. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, but I mean, where are we now? In the in the history of the show, like, they've both had a series together, yeah. albeit mm -hmm. with Ian Martyr as an extra companion, mm -hmm. as, as Harry Sullivan. Uh, but with the Doctor and Sarah, Sarah's, this is her third year with the Doctor. Well, this is, this is really the, the proper start. I mean... I, I we discussed this last episode with this entire experiment. Yes. That you know, both of us have this great love of the Ian Martyr, Liz Slade and Tom Baker TARDIS crew. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, Planet of Evil is where we get that really sort of that peak popularity of Doctor Who, that peak kind of yeah. the Doctor and Sarah and this is the, the Doctor Who that, that influences so many people like, yeah. for years and years to come. It it's kind of like you know the best of, of Doctor Who, the golden age. Oh, it sure is. I mean, Tom Baker and Liz Slayton do not put a foot wrong no. No. in performance uh, in this in this series. Oh no, it's excellent. It's absolutely excellent. Because the um, next the next serial on from this is Pyramids of Mars, yep. sure is, yeah. which I have seen, and oh, that phenomenal yeah. episode. Yeah. The 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 play between each other, even the the comedic elements in Pyramids of Mars, they're they just they're on that yeah. beat and they just they hit it right out of the park. And yeah. you can see that like in in Planet of Evil and in Pyramids of Mars that there's just they're just really good friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just shines all the way through. Yeah. 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 It's I mean, uh, this whole series is great. Yeah. Um, I mean what do we have after Pyramids of Mars we've got is um we've already done it, I remember, is uh, the Brain of Morbius. Yep, which is again absolutely fantastic. After that, The Seeds of Doom, another cast yep. iron. Uh, then we've got Season Break, Mask of Mandragora, Deadly Assassin. I mean, this is, we're in prime Philip yeah. Hinchcliffe, Robert Holmes territory. Uh, and it's excellent. But my opinion of it is like 42. If you didn't have uh, like a cracking producer and a cracking director, mm -hmm. I don't know how effective it would be. Yeah, I think well, placed, you know, placed anywhere else in the history of Doctor yeah. Who, I think it might just be a bit of a boring runaround. I think the best example of that is the planet. Yes. I think what David oh, Maloney Roger, does with yeah. with and Roger Murray Leach yeah. with the design and and David Maloney as a director is amazing. Yeah. The, I think the choice that that David Maloney makes to to shoot some of it on film yeah. adds it this kind of authenticity yeah. Yeah. this kind of outside filming feel to it so yeah. that it does feel like they are properly on and it, fair enough some of it looks a bit ropey now but it's it's a really great stylistic choice to shoot that on film and make it feel as if they're properly in an alien landscape oh yeah, yeah. there were certain elements in part one that reminded me a lot of um, Planet of the Daleks mm. Uh, you know, like a kind of small base ship yeah. in the centre of a jungle. 
but it's just like it's like night and day. Yeah, you know, like the, the Planet of the Daleks is not entirely convincing. It looks <laughs> like a studio space yeah. where the Planet of the Evils, like it, it's just. It the, never the, feels the like a studio space, does it? In, well, I mean, because I mean, they've had a they've 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 had extra time and a mm. bigger building to shoot it in. Yeah, and Roger Murray, Murray Leach, who'd already been on Ark in Space at this point, yeah, uh, he deliberately went against all the kind of the previous say Star Trek landscapes yeah. in that it's a mistake to shoot things in a kind of open manner You've got, it's got to be it's claustrophobic be yeah. it's got to, like trees and plants have just got to hide everything and cocoon yeah. you and that way people yeah. feel like they are in a forest. There was some elements where I was watching the show and for some strange reason uh, in the back of my mind I just heard uh, you must go to the Dagobah system. I thought they were, is I, is they were looking, is it like they were looking for Yoda. Yes, it really was. That is perfect. Yes, it <laughs> is like that, isn't yeah, it? There's the swamp. There's the, yeah, the yeah, swamp, and the fact that he has to duck under uh, vines yeah. as he's going along. Yeah. I'm expecting just R2 just to come out of nowhere, just yeah. trundling along with them. Does, that doesn't detract from no, them. No, it, no, it no, looks no, amazing. No. Yeah, yeah, it really, really does. But that's the thing. I mean, like, particularly, this is an interesting part of the show, I think, uh, for you to be a guest. Mm -hmm. In that, you, I, am I right in thinking that your experience of Classic Who is nowhere near as significant or as great as New Who? Oh, no, 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 no. So, what was it like, having watched a, a, a tenant episode? Yeah. What was it like then going back to look at, like, a, a fairly well regarded, but let's say a typical of that period classic Doctor Who adventure? Uh, were you impressed by it? Were you oh. getting into it? Did you think it was going to be just a ropey old thing that wasn't worth your time? No, I, I don't I've, I've heard uh, many uh, uh, philistine to say that you know, classic Doctor Who—it's all you know, wobbly sets and uh, the costumes look crap, and you know, anybody other than Tom Baker is not going to be amazing. And I've gone back and I've watched a few um, classic episodes. I've seen um, Tenth Planet. Uh, the Invasion, the Patrick Troughton um, mm. serial, um, Spear, uh, Spearhead from Space, the uh, John Pertwee opening yeah. um, serial. That is a really good yeah, story. That is a story. really well done story. And I, I sort of knew what I was expecting going into this. But what I absolutely love about it is that, yet yeah, knew, knew who went with uh, Tennant and Smith and excellent capacity is that you only have 45 minutes so they, they tend to rock it through and they, they have to have like an action beat like every you know 10 minutes you have to have something just to keep the audience on side so it's sort of like they're saying you know don't don't switch away keep watching good stuff is coming but with classic who is that they have a story and they tell it over what like a period of three four episodes is that it gives it time to show where they are, show who each of the characters are, where the Doctor is at this point, who the companion is, who the main villain is, why they're choosing to do this, and it, it takes its time. Mm. And that is what really shines through, is that the writing, the writing and the direction just really helps just bring you into it. It is very, very slow paced, and I know for a fact that my nieces and nephews, they've seen like a few tenant episodes and they did enjoy it, but if I was to go and show them something mm. like that, they they would lose interest very quickly. Would they? Would they? It's I, I, funny I they you would. say that. Um, not so much on the the nieces and nephews thing, but I think it's funny that you say that you know you go back and watch a classic Doctor Who story and you feel that there's a lot of room for the the actors and to breathe and the story to develop. And stuff. Yeah. A friend of mine, um, he got into Doctor Who through Eccleston and stuff. Like that I remember. 
Um, I love how we introduce it like we say it's drugs. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? Uh, like, any, yeah, any yeah. Eccleston was his dealer, yeah. and uh, yeah. no, I, I always I always use the the, uh, the phrase that if anybody's going to be getting into who I always use this phrase as just saying "blink is my gateway episode." Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it is. It is, yeah. Um, but he he'd seen the episodes, obviously, in the first ten series, and uh, he was a friend of mine from uni, and basically, I think it was one weekend I bought the Hand of Fear on DVD. Mm. I said, oh, you know, I quite fancy watching that. I said, yeah. well, you know, fuck it, we'll, we'll sit and watch it. And we sat down and watched it, and he was like, um, he said, God, it's amazing, like, just how much room there is for the story to develop. And there's obviously, The Hand of Fear has that whole subtext about nuclear apocalypse and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And he's picking up on all this kind of thing. And I think that if you're of an age where you're already sort of television literate, mm. I think to go back and watch classic Doctor Who, you can pick up the right things but I think yeah like you say with your nieces and nephews I wonder if kids would respond well the, the reason I bring this as up well. is because you said Ben you asked uh, would my nieces and nephews uh, would they not engage that much but if you, if you think about it, like with the comparison episode 42 you start off with um, Doctor and Martha on the TARDIS they arrive you find out what's going on then there's the credits with this episode, the Doctor doesn't appear until like the twelve or thirteen minute mark. Mm. So you're you're with characters that are talking and explaining the situation. But if you're watching an episode of Doctor Who, and the Doctor doesn't appear until the thirteen minute mark, <laughs> I know for a fact that my niece and nephew is just going. Well, is he going to show up? Yeah. Is, mm. is he coming at yeah. all? Did they lie to us? And then we just go click, and they yeah. would go on to like YouTube or Facebook or yeah. something like that. It, we they live in a hate the Eric Saber era. <laughs> we we live in a society. They hate the space pirates. <laughs> we, we live in, a, in in an era now where everything is just two hands. Where everything mm. and our attention span is just very very limited and sure, sort, sure. sort of contrast. So like if if the, there's not an action beat or something that immediately grabs their attention, they'll they'll have their phone out. Yeah. And, and mm. that's I mean it is a different kettle of fish when you compare classic Who with new Who. Yeah. But the one thing I really do like about um, classic Doctor Who is that like I said it takes the time for the the, uh, the characters to breathe but it also gives us time to tell just a really rich underlying story yeah. which just everything it, it starts off very very subtly and then it picks up and it just immediately grabs your, your interest that's that's why I enjoyed this one more than yeah. anything else uh, I mean I, 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 that's an interesting answer because I guess what I do also enjoy with this this, this process is how Different, but definitely the same. Classic Who is mm. uh, to New Who, yeah, yeah. and this particularly felt with Tom Baker and Liz Sladen at the height of their powers. It just felt like there was little or no time yeah. in production between Planet of Evil and Forty Two. It was definitely the yeah. same show. Yeah. It was definitely the same characters. You know. Well, can I bring up something here? Because you sure. you compared uh, Forty Two with Planet of Evil. Yeah. But I actually found a, a slightly, slightly different comparison episode with New Who with this one and it was Midnight mm. okay because all the way through Planet of Evil um, there's one character bar um, Sarah Jane that listens to the Doctor and, and gets where he's coming from everybody else just thinks that he's the bad guy that's killing off the people one by one in Midnight the Doctor is isolated mm. he has like at least one person supporting him but everybody else thinks that he's the villain 
And I, I, say, I sort of got that comparison. That's yeah. a really That's great yeah. comparison, yeah. actually, yeah. Nice. Because all the way through that episode, even right up to the, to the end point with Tom, with, uh, with Tom Baker, everybody thinks that he's the bad guy yeah. and nobody will listen to him. Yeah. And in Midnight, it's exactly the same. Mm. It's when the voice starts changing over to David Tennant and he's trying his hardest to help these people but they're ignorant and they're stupid and yeah. he knows what he has to do but yeah. nobody will listen to him. And yeah. that's the first thing that popped in my head was he's trying to help but these people are just so blinded and focused on what they have to do that they will not listen to reason yeah and that's yeah. yeah i mean that also picks up on what i kind of don't like about certain elements i mean so we're talking about you and solon as vishinsky he's yeah. like the kind of so he's the commander but he's the captain or he's the co-captain yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Know yeah. and there's that and so so that happens um i there's a lot. Prentice Hancock is probably so he's guy Salamar. Prentice Hancock. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prentice Hancock. That's the episode. Uh, he is guilty of doing that thing that there's a lot of in Doctor Who, which is he's a spy and he should yeah. die. <laughs> Acting, which is like, how have you become yeah. the captain of a ship? How has anyone yes. entrusted yeah. you with metal and engines <laughs> and lives? How, why, why? Because yeah. I can shout the loudest! <laughs> and so that they get on the mission, and that very easily he starts being like yeah. countermanded and chipped away at by the, by the people under him. He's like, You want how much more evidence do you need? He's a spy! He should be killed! And, uh, yeah. and it, there's no. Like not, you, you are watching I'm, it going, Why is Vyshinsky not in command yeah. of this ship? Yeah. Like, he's very measured. He, he's taking everything he's on board that's going on. He's obviously seen space <laughs> yes. service, but he's he's just he's just he epitomises that type of um, that type of Doctor Who type of acting, which is the shouty, unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. he's a spy. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Whatever he says will just complicate the matter. Kill him. What is this? You bring me evidence and logic. What? He's a spy. Kill him now. Hung, drawn, and quarter yeah. him with his own scarf. Like this is, yeah, like that, all that's of how the Doctor Who stories get to be four episodes long because you have to have somebody you gotta have that some... refuses to believe that oh, well, there is they, a hero. They yeah. had it out with <laughs> yeah. shouting. Yeah. <laughs> so execute him. Yeah. So you've got to have the whole scene where they're about to be executed, and then something will save them last minute. And that was very convenient, that just as they're being ejected out of the ship, oh. the monster attacks, yeah. uh, well, I forgot his name now, but the, the navigator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the monster. So, oh god, we're gonna go and save him! <laughs> so they, they sort of then, Vyshinsky can just pull the lever back and bring them back in. That's the one thing that I actually found impressive watching these um, episodes, because obviously with New Who, they're, they're self-contained stories of 45 minutes long, unless it's a two-parter, which yeah. it ends with a cliffhanger. Yeah. Does every episode of Classic Who End with a cliffhanger. Yeah, that I find that well really within within the within the, the confines of the story. Yeah, yeah but and even then, sometimes it's some, a cliffhanger yeah. from story to another story. Yeah, but hardly, especially with end with a cliffhanger leading into the next. But story. I find that really intriguing that they are somehow able to end four episodes in like an overarching story. Every episode ends with a cliffhanger where you have to come back and see yeah. it next week. Just yeah. well, how the hell? Are they yeah, but sometimes, sometimes though, you would get just a close up of Colin Baker's face looking yeah. a bit annoyed. Yeah, there are, there, are, that's there are some excellent cliffhangers, and there are some yeah. shitty of, uh, Just you think that it's, it's just been—it's just so annoyed you out of spite and not going to watch <laughs> yeah. the next episode. Uh, yeah. But there's yeah. a famous re-edit of um, the Five Doctors, 
which was like the, the 20th anniversary oh, yeah, of yeah. so the full cool thing was, was an yeah, hour and a half it was an hour and a yeah. half they edited into like four episodes and uh, the cliffhanger of episode three was Anthony Ainley walking down some stairs yeah. it was the master <laughs> entering a room <laughs> and walking towards a table <laughs> but then you have to understand what is on the table that he's walking to? Well, one of the best, one of the best. Nothing. Is it, oh. is it Death of the Daleks Part Three, where Part Three walks in and he's like, "Whoa, wait, wait!" And then it's just like the camera just like focuses on a floor and it's like a tiled floor. Oh yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, it's the checkered floor of yeah, the checkered floor of death." What was what was the other one that I love that that's. It's like that. Oh. I, I do remember one, I don't know who, who brought it up, but is there an episode of Sylvester McCoy where the editor of the episode is him literally. Dragonfire. Don't even say it because <laughs> you know what it is. It's Dragonfire. But he's like, he's, he climbs over. The rail? Yeah, he climbs over the rail of like the gangway. For no discernible then, reason. Well, no, we know because he's trying to get down oh. to Clara. Oh, um, no, no. <laughs> no, the, no, the great intelligence is in his head going, you should climb over that balcony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, that was the perfect merging of classic and new who right there so like, boom. I know, say, say at the start of the yes. name of the doctor yeah. Yeah. what was he doing that for well obviously he's trying to get it's like Clara's knocking on some ice Good. plastic why are you climbing over the barrier you idiot <laughs> don't don't can't you see down <laughs> if there is a doctor or companion that could just go you fucking idiot, why are you climbing over that barrier down there? It's Clara. I, I got I to get this out in the open right now because it's so fundamentally stupid, but I have to say it anyway. The first. Why are you taking your trousers off? <laughs> no, no! <laughs> Sorry. Um, the opening scene of, of the very first episode. I, I, I think I've just got a very stupid childish mind. It made me laugh so hard because it just opens up on the forest and it just pans up to this doorway and then a man just walks out with like this. It looked like a glued-on beard. Oh right. And he was yeah. holding a sign. And oh yeah. Which we, which we later found out is like a, a rudimentary gravestone. Yeah. And he's walking there and he's he just looks so befuddled and just pissed off he just goes on and he puts in this sign and the only thing I could hear in my head was just I'm going to put this sign up so the kids stay off my lawn <laughs> <laughs> get off my swamp you kids that's the only I could not listen to him yeah. I'm so glad that I started off on sentence that I didn't miss any dialogue but I just saw that I just went oh no it's old man Hubbard oh <laughs> is Scooby Doo and the gang going to rock yeah. up right now he doesn't really look like a guy who's lost a sizable portion of his crewmates. No. He looks like a man who's yeah. just lost his keys. Yeah. <laughs> I just went, ah, I'm going to put a sign out here, keys lost, money reward if found. That's <laughs> no hawkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, actually, now you say that, because that reminds me um, that this, so I watched Forbidden Planet uh, after watching Planet of Evil because yeah. um, <laughs> it reminded you so much of it. Uh, you, well, so, I mean, certainly, but also, I mean, the last couple of episodes, I've tried to engage with any source material that's <laughs> quoted by these things, um, and Forbidden Planet. This is what we're talking about. Now, so for, for listeners, when we were doing our Revelation of the Daleks episode, we, we kind of touched upon the the, the Evelyn Was novel, yeah. the loved one, yeah, um, and. There was a lot of, in background reading, there was a lot of uh, quoting the loved one as a source. Having, and I should be honest with this, uh, when we were recording it, I was halfway through 
the, the loved one. So I hadn't finished it by the time we recorded it. Um, the loved one is given, or Eric Sayward is given a lot of shit for stealing the, or taking the loved one and turning yeah. it into the revelation of the Daleks. Uh, very, very, very little, other than the little, uh, like the, the idea of it being in a kind of funeral parlour, is actually taken from that book. The book and Revelation of the Daleks are very unrecognisable as, as the same thing. Forbidden Planet, on the other hand, it's Planet of Evil has wholesale stealing, stolen whole episodes, so like you know, like whole characters, whole incidents, whole plot things, <laughs> even down to the monster itself. It's the same colour. It looks the same thing. Yeah. This, uh, this see-through orange glowy monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it is an entire rip. And if you go back and watch Forbidden Planet, yeah. the only thing that's missing from that is the Doctor and Sarah as characters. Everything basically <laughs> happens. How great would Planet of Evil be though if Leslie Nielsen was in it instead of Prentice Hancock? We 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 kind of criticised Eric Seward, and I know you, I know you've got no, a bone no, no, with him. We we criticised. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the exact opposite. We we, we criticised him in previous episodes. We get into a period now which is lauded as the best of Doctor mm -hmm. Who, mm -hmm. but it is the most blatant show oh, yeah. rip off. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Holmes no. is the greatest writer in Doctor Who, but he's the most blatant rip off. <laughs> the, the Holmes and Hitchcliffe ever encountered is is fantastic for that kind of just like oh, I will just rip this off. Yeah, do you think that's why? Throw like a little Doctor Who flash because it's, I suppose you can argue that the reason it's so popular. Mm -hmm. It's because of that. It's because you know these are stories. Recognizable. These recognizable stories, given like a slightly sci-fi twist, a slightly Doctor Who twist, and that that's people's way in. You go, oh well, this is a bit like Frankenstein. Yeah. So like, I kind of know what to expect from the story. So do you think yeah. in this episode the reason they wrote that line of the Doctor met William Shakespeare was like a little homage to the original original source material? Possibly, possibly. I did think that because what is the line he? I, can't I met remember. William Shakespeare once. A great writer, terrible actor. Yeah. No, but there's a but line he, yeah, he quotes does, Shakespeare. Yeah, but there I can't are remember. there are a couple of Shakespeare quotes in there. If they're well. from the Tempest, Ex no, not from there. the Tempest. They're not from the Tempest. One's from Hamlet, and the others I can't remember the other, but it's not. Uh, but yeah, it's possible. Yeah, but, yeah. There, but I mean, there we are. Like Forbidden Planet. Is I, I don't really get what why it's supposed to be a space version of the Tempest because it is just a space yeah. version of Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jekyll and Hyde is you know the, 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 there's there's the classical literature about yeah. kind of you know like split personalities or allowing yourself to you know it's yeah. uh, it just it's back and back and back on itself. Yeah. Um, so we can't really criticize it, but uh, I I I do think it's. Uh, it's, it's Forbidden Planet is so spectacularly like Planet yeah. of Evil and vice yeah. versa. Uh, and, and on the commentary and in the documentaries on the DVD, Philip Hinchcliffe does feel slightly embarrassed that yeah. it, is, it is so alike. Um, because it's not just about it's not just in the writing; it's obvious stylistic production choices as well. Yeah. Why do they make? the outline of the antimatter monster orange. Even if they just made it yeah. blue or green or something else, then it wouldn't look like the monster from Forbidden Planet. <laughs> yeah. um, there's no Robbie the Robot. Uh, no, yeah. no there's not. No. Uh, but, you know, there's there's Michael Wisher not caring at all about the performance well, this the right. <laughs> Okay, well let's do this. Uh, Michael Wisher, who is came in the previous series of Doctor Who, you know, the, the He's one of the most reliable, series, enjoyable actors in Doctor Who. Is gives one of the greatest performances in Doctor Who history as the original Davros yeah. and then he's here just having to go ah! yeah. and then that's it <laughs> yeah 
or complaining about having to carry things from oh, one area. No, that's not, that's not even Michael. That's not even Michael Wisher. That's the guy playing the hand. No, no, no. I know, but I mean, like Michael Wisher is the guy who's making him come out. And, oh right, okay. They just he's re- Michael Wisher is also complaining, but he's resigned. The Han is just he doesn't want to do he's it. Good. I like it's good. It's my favorite scene. He is him, and my favorite performance is him. I've got a funny feeling we may have the same favorite scene. Is it the is it the, the bit where Sorensen is trying to explain I love to that him? Yeah. so much. So for <laughs> listeners, so it's it's the bit where Sorensen is uh, telling Dahan all about how he's discovered this uh, it, it can refine this ore and it could be the gr- don't you understand it's the greatest <laughs> it's the greatest discovery in all of science we could the perpetual power for the ass empires and then just, like, the, Dahan just looks at him and goes yep Right. <laughs> Do you want this outside? <laughs> it's a purely visual thing. We're not doing justice yeah. today, but go watch it back. He just nods at him like yeah. he has no idea what Sorensen has just said. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and actually, it's doesn't so care. <laughs> this is a military operation now. We follow military principles. It's like a removal <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, I'm just really here to just shift your stuff. So I, I don't really want. I don't really want a conversation. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll shift your stuff. I'll complain about it whilst I'm yeah. doing it, but I'll move it. it. If it affects me, then I'll talk about it. Until <laughs> then, I don't care. <laughs> I've got five more minutes, and then I'm off duty for the night. I don't. There's a bottle of space whiskey with my name space on it. Space <laughs> whiskey. I don't care. Just where do you want it? Where do you want me to put it? I also like the bit where he's moaning about the lights. So, oh, you know, we need lights down here. It's not just up in the command decks. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Let's let's give him uh, let's give him credit. We're saying we're saying Dehan. It's, it's Graham Weston is the name of the actor. Ah. He's my favourite performance. He's my favourite. Uh, he's my favourite uh, scene. He's definitely my favourite scene. Uh, but my favourite performance is also in that favourite in that favourite scene. So we'll, we'll, we'll come to him. All right. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's well. Should we bring it into more specifics okay. as well? Now then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think you know, as a kind of rounding up statement before we move into our sort of more specific things. I think it's. It's very much an example of Doctor Who, just 101 at this stage, that sort of like, just like a perfect example of just what was working so well yeah. in yep. Doctor Who at that point, which is the direction the show was going in, the, the the style, that kind of, although it's a big sci-fi tale, it does still feel that kind of gothic horror. Yeah. There's still sort of very dark rooms, there's kind of, you know there's people sort of turning into monsters and it's it it feels very kind of Victorian and kind of yeah. you know gothic and uh, there's that there's Tom Baker and Liz Slade and, and you know come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> untouchable really yeah um, so that that's great it's just a perfect example it's not the best that that, that series has to offer no but well, bloody it's, hell it's, it's it's Hinchcliffe and Holmes's pilot yeah for what we well yeah because I mean obviously the previous series was <coughs> a lot of stuff that was set in motion by Barry Letts and Terrence Dix yeah. and then because I mean if you read about Tom Baker's first series Hinchcliffe didn't come in until quite late on Yeah. so Rob, Robert Holmes basically worked on these stories that had been commissioned by Barry Letts and Terrence Dix yeah. worked on them and gave us the series that we have this is the first series of, of Bob Holmes and, and Philip this Philip is theirs completely yeah. properly just they've commi- they've commissioned all these scripts They've worked on them, and yeah, this is it. This is the mission statement, really. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's not as good as it would become, but this is not a bad pilot no, at, at all. all. It's. No, uh, all. I mean, just just taking this from like a, a new who uh, fan, I really liked the story. There was not 
any truly bad element that stood out for me and if anything this the viewing of this serial makes me want to go back and watch the beginning to the Zygon episode mm. and watch it the rest of the way through yeah, yeah it, it's, it's got me yeah. hooked enough that I want to go yeah I like what Tom Baker and, and this thing did I want to see more of that yeah. so just from that point of view yeah. that's I think the I mean, if you're if you guys are saying that's not the best story that this series has to offer, I want to see what yeah. it is. Well, like, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's the, it. You know, if when the Planet of Evil is your weakest story in a series, you know you've got a crack in series. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Who story. Yeah, you know? when your Planet of Evil is your forty-two. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it is cracking. I mean, the next two years are the absolute pinnacle of Doctor Who. Um, you know, it's not to say that what comes after is bad. It's no, not at all. No, no. Uh, but, but it's really less consistent. <coughs> I think that's maybe less consistent, and it's you can sit and you, you can sit and watch it without that familiar feeling that Doctor Who fans have, mm. which is the apprehension that something crap is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to see well, or experience something crap? Because <laughs> I think there, there's a tendency... And they get near it with the Oculus. <laughs> yeah, they do. In, in it this. works alright, though. It works alright. But, but there are some ropey moments yeah. that if it wasn't David Maloney <laughs> yeah. cutting it on film within an inch of its life, you just go yeah. for it. It could so easily have been like the kind of... the. In, in death to the Daleks, oh God, that the little worm thing, yeah. or uh, or I don't know the eye thing that comes out of the Crotons ship. Yeah. Or, yeah. God, the Crotons. Yeah, yeah. There's an actual alien race called the Crotons. Yes, they're um, ro- crystalline robots uh, that um, need to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <laughs> I want to know more of that's, these aliens that need to my, fuck off. That's <laughs> my priest of the Crotons. <laughs> but the thing is, I think there's a tendency uh, amongst sort of an older generation of Doctor Who fans to kind of gravitate towards this period of Doctor Who and kind of clutch it tight and go, oh, this is, this is proper Doctor Who, this is what it is, you know. Now it's not the thing. Now it's not the time. You know, now no, it's no, not no, like, no. Th- this modern Doctor Who, it's not for me, this <laughs> this is Doctor Who yeah. to me. And so, you know, nostalgia has... But the thing is, watching it out of context, you know, not growing up with it, it's still bloody good. Oh, yes. Yeah, and you can totally see how people growing up hmm. in the 70s hold that in such high esteem imagine like being a kid and like that was on every Saturday night yeah not consecutive weekdays as we, we discussed yeah, earlier yeah first show Mark Campbell <laughs> Campbell out <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah just just fantastic yeah. Um, but yeah favourite performances we know what yours are uh, yeah uh, Des what's your who's your favourite performance in this one as in like favourite character or favourite actor favourite performance favourite acting I mean there is so many good standard words but just for sheer enjoyment it's I think he was mentioned earlier on this this grumbled man (laughs) just moving shit from one room to another and whinging all the way through I'm not being paid this much. Just I don't know. He's not from. Why is everyone from the deep south? I don't. It's the only voice I know how to do. Because there's somebody else I want to talk about before I actually. Uh, it's I, re- I remember performance. I never remember names. It's a truly terrible thing for me. But just his performance, um, of just of just having to move stuff and walk around this. I just, nothing just makes him happy. Yeah. That's the <laughs> one thing well, I really enjoy. Is enjoyed. it also worth talking about Frederick Yeager? Uh, he's the well, he is my favourite performance in this. Yeah. I think he's great. Yeah. He has this kind of very sweaty, desperate 
sort of performance, you know, and yeah. he's clearly hiding something. Yeah. He's kind of got this kind of sort of power of like an alcoholic. Oh yeah. You know, there's yeah. that there's that great thing that he's channeling there that he's this sort of desperate alcoholic this hiding this terrible thing that he's done and he, yeah. well, the there's an addiction there he as well. You can't remember what he's yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the first time I, I, I watched it whenever he met up with the rest of his party and the doctor was there what, it, because he'd been on the plant alone for quite a while I actually thought he was possessed. Yeah. Because, yeah. Of, because of his performance of being vague and, and obtuse and, and, and keeping closed off there was elements of, of him just going, of, of watching him and thinking okay either he, he really is hiding something or he's possessed by yeah. by what element controls this planet I mean there is there, he doesn't I mean I think that's why he survives at the end is that mm. because he doesn't because he doesn't really know what he's doing yeah yeah. you kind of accept the fact that he's lived yeah you know like if it was a story where he was properly in control of what he's doing he's killing the whole cast yeah. the story would dictate that he would need to be defeated and he would need to be destroyed Whereas this, that he's under the influence of this animator creature. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, when the doctor finds him at the mouth of his, oh, Sorensen, and he gets him at the dark, and she's like, oh, yay, Sorensen has survived. Which is, <laughs> which is an odd ending, because why did he allow Sorensen to live? Uh, because well, the, the monster. Because the doctor. Because, well, why is the antimatter monster allowed Sorensen to live? Because the doctor kept it, is it not more whilst that? completely without question destroying everybody else. Uh, but no, is it not the case that the antimatter monster has been feeding on everybody else, whereas he's been using Sorensen as a vessel, so that when the doctor returns the crystal to the pit, well, it separates itself from Sorensen and then therefore leaves Sorensen. Uh, well, that's a justification rather than an answer. The <laughs> yeah. answer is that Sorensen was supposed to die but Philip Hinchcliffe thought that would be too uh, grim nobody left. yeah it would be too grim an ending so he said can you just make it that Sorensen lives so which is a happier ending yeah, yeah. but it's more illogical uh, my other thing about the ending is I didn't know that like the, the, the TARDIS had like a weird kind of little domed roof you well, get it's to see kind of, but yeah, it's a proper dome. Yeah, it, well, you yeah. get to see for the first time they've shot it from a low angle, so you get to see yeah. above the TARDIS walls. So it's got like a little, there's a wee like yeah. kind of awning thing, and then there's a domed roof to the TARDIS. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. seeing that as well. Um, uh, I mean, also, I mean, I think in the in the crew, Lewis Mahoney, yeah. who obviously we'll talk about again in a few episodes' time. Two right. episodes' time, yeah. He's very funny. The bit where he tells the doctor to shut up, yeah. and Tom Baker's response to that is just, just great. Yeah. I mean, I can't do it justice on audio, yeah. um, but it's that great thing. I mean, there's a really great. I mean, Robots of Death is another great example yeah. of supporting cast. So, wait, what, 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 so is it where he said that maybe maybe my receivers are better than yours? Shut up! <laughs> yeah, and he shoves him. Well, my manners certainly are. <laughs> I'm sorry it's I did a Caribbean so accent there. I don't know if this is racist yeah but you did a Caribbean accent for the doctor so I don't really know <laughs> I'm just surprised you blacked up for that as well I'm, su I'm surprised you got the shoe polish out just for that performance it was incredible <laughs> but he's good I mean it's just which is so bizarre that Michael Wisher is so hard done by yeah, in terms of things to do when he's you know a tra got a track record of being a really good Doctor Who guest actor yeah it's odd Michael Wisher is one of these people that when he's on screen you know who he is yeah whereas that, this when I saw his name pop up in the credits I was like what? who, who was he? <laughs> yeah no I had to look as yeah. well because I thought I recognised the voice yeah but 
you know, like he's he's less recognisable in his own human appearance yeah. than he is as say one of the aliens in Carnival of Monsters yeah. with latex and makeup and all that kind of sure. stuff. You know. Or as Davros, or as Davros, you know, or as even a voice of one of the Daleks in Death of the Daleks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, okay. I mean, I, I think I said it earlier on, which is that this could easily have just been a runaround. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly, again, like with 42, it's a fairly simple, it's a fairly uh, straightforward show. Uh, but there's just so many, uh, with 42, Graham Harper is an excellent director, uh, with Plant of Evil. Uh, David Maloney is he one is of the best classics directors. I mean, that, yeah. that scene where the Doctor's falling through the pit. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's just like, holy shit, it's that kind of trippy 1960s, kind of obviously, you know, mid-70s. Yeah. But that's great. Yeah. It's so yeah. good, it's so well done. I mean, yeah. they could have just easily had the Doctor fall into the pit, he's yeah. gone for like ten minutes, and then he just reappears. Yeah. But to see him fall through the pit and, and see who he's... Uh, coercing with it, it, it adds just a little bit more so that whenever he comes back up you can tell that yeah. he's physically drained by yeah. by yeah. everything that's happened to him yeah. that that is pretty good yeah. and it, it's nice to see within that that uh, and again David Maloney was the director it's the same special effect that they used to regenerate Patrick Troughton so when when Tom Baker is tumbling and kind of spinning around it's the same thing they do at the end of the war games (laughs) when Troughton's doctor is spinning off into space yeah 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 yeah, exactly oh oh my oh my god oh no um when he's holding his face in darkness yeah uh so yeah I mean uh, well I mean we we got to meet David Maloney uh, and he was an excellent person to really we, we were part of the Edinburgh we've, we've talked about this I before didn't. listeners yeah 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 you were there were you not I wasn't there were you not no I'm really oh. sorry oh, oh so that makes two of us Ben got to meet David Maloney and I'm very jealous of him oh okay. <laughs> so no 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 a fantastic Doctor Who director uh, oh I just imagined you were there because it was a convention held by the Edinburgh local group mm-hmm. um, primarily uh, all about the mind robber uh, yo, no, I so it was David Maloney the other guests were Bernard Horsfall Hamish Wilson who played Played for half an episode, Jamie, uh, oh, uh, when yes. he rearranged his face incorrectly. <laughs> and who was the other guest that I can't remember? But I've got a photograph, so I will put I will yeah. put that up. Um, but yeah, we got to meet David Maloney, sadly now dead, uh, and he is responsible for a lot of Doctor Who yeah. classics. Mm. Uh, it it's amazing, actually, now that I think about it, that David Maloney directed the Mind Robber. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah. Watching that scene where, where Tom Baker's going through the pit. My the first Doctor Who cliffhanger I properly remember is the end of the Mind Robber Part One. Yeah. Which when was they, just Oh well you remember because it's always arse. <laughs> no. Mate. Not just because it's always arse. Yeah you do. But because there's there's these two people spinning on the TARDIS console and Patrick Troughton's kind of floating about in space. Yeah. And then it's like the titles and I was like what the hell is this? What is this? I'm going to have to... Why is there an arse there? What is this? <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's just... It's, there's this funny bit where, like, so the TARDIS breaks up and Jamie and Zoe are clinging to the TARDIS console. So he's always on top of it. And there's just this lingering shot on her ample bot. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know... She's uh, wearing a spangly cutscene. A spangly bot cover. So, so this is kind of along the lines of, uh, of what... Um, uh, Peter Davidson was complaining about his regeneration is that it was overtaken <laughs> by the cleavage shot that was there. Well, Brian's cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess to maybe close Planet of Evil up, 
you know, and, and this episode has largely been about two episodes which have been really about the director rather than the writer. Yeah. Uh, with this, David Maloney, responsible for so many classics. Let's, uh, let's have a little yeah, toast to David Maloney. Tasty. That's some good air. The, the, mm. the There's some beer in there. The dregs <laughs> of Jägerbomb. That's, that's, that's Delish. If I, if I can... <laughs> Thank you. If I can pose a question for yourselves, uh, because I'm new who and I was really intrigued by this story, yeah. okay. is there any particular episode that you would consider your gateway episode for new who fans oh to check out God. the classics here? Well, you've watched some of them. I mean, you mentioned Spearhead. I always uh, well, see. This is what we do. I mean, this, this is the, way back in episode one. Actually, yeah. we've we've tried to find different ways of describing what we do, but mm. yours. In episode one, Mark, is probably the best way of describing what we do. Okay, well... Is that we are an Amazon recommends. Okay, right. Yeah, so okay. You, you've enjoyed 42, or if you've watched it, haven't. Um, <laughs> uh, so we then recommend you watch Planet of Evil. That's what we do with this podcast. Ah, okay, so... So, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. In what we've done so far, listeners, or Des, uh, go back, see the episodes we've already covered. Yeah. And then, I don't know, check but out I mean, that if episode you, we've paired If it. you have enjoyed Planet of Evil, I mean, I think anything from then on, so, you, I mean, you've seen Pyramids of Mars. Oh, yeah. After that, you've... Brain of Morbius. Brain of Morbius was fantastic. Seeds of Doom, which is great. We then leave Sarah Jane behind, and then his equally brilliant companion, Louise Jameson as Leela in Face of Evil, Talons of Wang Kiang. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that whole era of Doctor Who is, is, is great. I mean, have you seen City of Death? I. As a new fan? No, I've not seen City of oh, Death. Oh, well, you know. It's worth having death. a little look at That's, that's okay. a cracking one. Uh, he enjoyed Tom Baker having a great is. relationship with his companion. Next time. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, next time. Well, we're new who watched through Human Nature Family of Blood. Oh, very nice. Ah! <laughs> just a little. Ah! Sorry, we, we can recreate that trailer and just 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 do yeah, scream yeah. explosion and I can do the rest of it. Just go scream explosion. Okay. Ah! <laughs> Completely human. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Red balloon. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's what? what's next. Okay, so. Oh, is that just too funny? You're not doing a comparison? We are. Yes, yeah. as we are. So, uh, we kind of struggled what to, th we what to did, do with um, We were originally thinking Spearhead from Space because, you know, Doctor confined to Earth. Yeah. Mm. But... Because it's, it's a fairly... It's a, it's a kind of... It's a serial on its own, really. Mm -hmm. A story on its own, really. Mm -hmm. But I thought Remembrance of the Daleks would be yeah. a great way. Firstly, because I think this would give us a bit more of a, a scope to talk about well, your ongoing project of looking at the, <laughs> new, the new adventures and how they influence Doctor Who, mm -hmm. uh, no, a new Doctor Who. Um, more than that, I thought it was fitting that maybe we would look at a McCoy episode, yeah, because, yeah, or McCoy story, because that's where the new, uh, the new adventures largely situate themselves. Spoiler alert, Remembrance of the Daleks is actually really good. Yeah, well, it is, yeah, But also, I mean, obviously, McCoy, you know, Human Nature is adapted from a new adventures novel, yeah. so McCoy, as a doctor, would be the perfect choice, yeah. I suppose, for a story to... Uh, and also, the ending of the... Uh, you know, is is probably the ending of Human Nature, Family of Blood, and the hum ending of Remembrance of the Daleks is the Doctor at his most sinister and manipulative in dishing out punishment mm. to his enemies. Oh yes. Um, so I think that's that's yeah, what we're getting yeah, yeah. up with Human Nature, Family. But that'll be out in two weeks' time. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, then uh, share it with people you think might enjoy it. Uh, give us. 
Come on, guys, nobody's doing it. What the hell's the matter with you? Give us a review. Five stars. Give us a review <laughs> on iTunes, unless you get it elsewhere. Uh, in which case, tell us where you get it so we can focus on you know yeah. that particular area putting contact content out to there um, well I know I know for a fact I'm going to be sharing this episode but I think I'm kind of biased because I'm honest that's fine <laughs> that's are, you, are you okay with that that's fine yeah, that's oh fine. like I said I'm going to be sharing this it's shit out of this episode uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on uh, or like us on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, awesome. And if you want to, yeah. If you want to, yeah. <laughs> if you want to email us, then we're at uh, on the time lash at outlook dot com. Uh, our website is on the time lash dot wordpress dot yeah. com. Um, there's episodes. There's photos of me and Ben with various Doctor Who celebrities. Yeah. There's <laughs> me writing about stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just check out. Yeah. There's uh, some really, there's nice content happening there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been Ben. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. I've been Mark. Also, thank you very much. And I've been Des, and you will never hear from me again. <laughs> no, we've really enjoyed having you, man. Thank no, you I, 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 I was, this. this won't make the recording, but um, You're I, a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought how funny it would be to do a podcast about Journey's End. Yeah. With every guest we've had, just <laughs> <laughs> a massive roundtable discussion oh as we God. all try and navigate the story. Yep, nice I think that'd be quite funny. Gonna do that. <laughs> that'd be brilliant. Yeah. So we'll see you back in about a year's time, Des. I look so, forward to it. Uh, but yeah, most importantly, let's thank you, listeners. Thank you for being part of this, uh, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Uh, so it only leaves me to leave you in the capable hands of Keith McCulloch.